You're listening to City's Playground, a podcast by Leadership Foundations, and I'm Rick Enlow, and I'm here with Dave Hillis, and we are in the second episode of this amazing 40th anniversary year of Leadership Foundations. Yes, we are. <laughs> wow. I mean, and we were alive uh, at the time it was founded, but not <laughs> you quite were. as... Yeah, you were. Yeah, okay, okay, good one. Uh, but when it was in the, in its infancy, uh, it, really kind of a remarkable story, and we want to touch on that today and kind of in, in, uh, uh, hear some uh, narrative from that, uh, that space mm-hmm. and also from uh, our founder as well, uh, Reed Carpenter. But before, before that, um, let, let's... Uh, Let's talk about this for a second, Dave. And by the way, good to see you, Dave. Good to see you, Rick. And uh, and I think it's it's interesting that in uh, you know a lot of things can develop in an organization in forty years, but in your uh, uh, you know time uh, acquainted with leadership foundations and now leading, what are some of, what are some of the sort of uh, highlights that you've noticed over time? You know, um, mm-hmm. as things emerged, you know, how how have they sort of taken shape? Yeah, well, there's uh, there's been a number of those things. I, I do think, Rick, it's always interesting to make note that uh, organizations are living, breathing organisms. Mm-hmm. And uh, as such, they begin to develop a narrative, a story. And I think a part of good um, organizational health is to constantly be thinking about that narrative that's being written. Mm-hmm. Uh, who are the people? What were the big moments, the uh, you know things that you wish maybe didn't happen, but probably had some kind of contribution to who you are today? And so uh, LF, like any other organization, has uh, a number of those uh, people, those places, those uh, particular you know uh, issues that that kind of took place. And that's become a part of our story. And in the 40th, what we have tried to do uh, is just think back and look back over our shoulder. And, uh, and gain some sense of, of exactly the texture of that of that narrative. Mm-hmm. So, of course, today we'll have a chance to talk about a very prominent person and the person of uh, Reed Carpenter and Sam Shoemaker. But, you know, when I think about uh, the number of local leadership foundation presidents who showed up, uh, however they showed up, and mm-hmm. brought their particular sort of perspective and energy and and interest when I think about, you know, things like, you know, looking at the federal government and knowing that the federal government with its enormous resources uh, can do more to impact uh, a city for, you know, good or bad than just about anything. Mm -hmm. And so if LF was going to play in that space, um, you know, we needed to figure out what that looked like. And, uh, And so that became a very transformative moment. I think about just things like, you know, we're living in the, the era of big data and knowing that uh, if, if Leadership Foundations, again, was going to, um, you know, get into that space and be able to have uh, good conversations with potential funders and others, we needed to, to kind of do this thing called data. So we created the Stages of Impact uh, tool that now collects data throughout the, uh, the network. So there's just been a number of things like that, Rick, that uh, it's been really helpful for me this year to kind of begin to look back over our shoulder and and I would describe as almost a sense of a divine choreography whereby Mm -hmm. that person or that thing or that idea showed up exactly at the time that we we needed it in order to get to where we are today well and you know they always uh, do the old hindsight you know 2020 thing Mm -hmm. but there's probably a couple of words that didn't even exist in in uh I'm not sure they existed at all, but certainly not in you know common vocabulary. 
but that LF was founded around and are now pivotal, and that is urbanization and globalization. Mm-hmm. And you know, 40 years ago, I don't know that we had a, a total grasp on the fact that the world was becoming, uh, you know, smaller and smaller because of you know our ability to travel and communicate, and right. that right. The, that the city is becoming more and more, you know, the the residents of the humans, you know. And yeah. so it, it's amazing how the the yeah. architecture of LF. Was you know it was already there in the blueprint for the kind of the future that we're now seeing. Yep. Yeah. In fact, I uh, because of that um, exact thing that you just said, Rick. That's why I've always viewed Reed and uh, and Sam really as as prophetic uh, mm-hmm. in nature. I mean, they they were able to put their finger on a couple of things. The two you just named, to be sure as well as some other things about, you know, what was taking place within churches and, yeah. you know, cities and the whole bit that weren't actually even in existence. Yeah. Um, and yet they, they created it in order for us to live into it. I mean, I, I, my favorite image of this, um, I, I have been a, a big fan of the cello and, uh, and particularly some of the music of Mozart and Bach. But one of the fascinating qualities of, of Bach was that he got to a place where he wrote six cello concertos before the instrument was even created. <laughs> and I just always said, wow. Yeah, um, yeah. But, and not to say that Reed is our Bach or, you know, Mozart, but there's a little bit of them saying, you know, we're going to create something here, a way of thinking, a perspective that doesn't even yet exist, mm-hmm. but it will. Yeah. And uh, and so we're the inheritors of that great grace. Well, yeah, and and I mean that's to me one of the attributes of uh, remarkable leadership is that uh, th- they're visitors from the future. Mm-hmm. You know, that's and, a great image. yeah. So yeah. Uh, and that's certainly true. Now, we're, as we look back, um, let's talk for a moment about um, why why would we want to do that? What's so important about um, remembrance, uh, memorial, uh, you know, just uh, placing value, uh, you know, uh, you know, on uh, the journey, you know, backward. Yeah. Well, I mean, a couple thoughts uh, I've had with regard to that. I mean, one of the things about just remembrance itself and even the way it's used, uh, particularly in uh, the biblical mass mm-hmm. and liturgy and all of that, is that uh, it's a word that actually carries with it the connotation that as you remember, you make something present. And so we get the, the best example of that in our Lord's Supper where, you know, on the night, you know, that he was betrayed, you know, broke bread, you know, uh, gave the cup, uh, and then do this in remembrance of me. And in a Catholic and, and probably, you know, more Orthodox uh, tradition, uh, in remembering that night, you make the elements present, you know, in that particular mass at right. that time. Right. Well, I've always thought about that, and that's obviously a little bit of my tradition, but I've wondered, uh, and I'm pretty convinced of this, Rick, that it's true, that, that a good organization needs to have these traditions of which we remember uh, what our mothers and our fathers had done before, um, that charism that God gave them, right. um, and then it gets, you know, in my mind, fast forwarded to a time now where we can participate in it. So, yeah. So I think that that is is huge. Yeah. The other, just very practical side, um, Rick, is that you know, as the LF network continues to grow and we get new cities coming online all the time, uh, one of the things that we always want to be conscious of is what is going to be the kind of cohesion, you know, that keeps the organization together. Um, knowing that, you know, Jackson, Mississippi is going to be different than Juneau, Alaska. Right. And so I think that one of the ways that we at least contribute to that social cohesion 
you know, making something sticky is is telling the stories, right. um, saying, you know, here's Reed Carpenter, here's Sam Shoemaker. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So that's, yeah. Well, you know, I, I read about um, uh, a company and actually uh, a startup in uh, Silicon Valley down in San Jose. And, um, and one of the things they they found out is that they didn't have a compelling founding story. Mm. And so they invented one that wasn't true. And that's what this story was about. They, they talked about how when we back in the day when we first started, we were in a garage and they try to make it sound like the cool startup story. And then they found out that it was fabricated. But what, but the point of the story was that in order for mm. uh, to your point, uh, for there to be, you know, cohesion and also, uh, you know, to, to make meaning of what they were doing, they needed a founding story, you know, mm-hmm. and they didn't have one. Mm-hmm. So what's so great about LF is you, it, it's not fabricated. I mean, it's, it's actual. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's, that's so awesome. So, um, one of the things that we want to do is, is, uh, hear Reed, uh, tell us, uh, we had a, a previous conversation with him and, and so we have him, we can, uh, put a clip in here so we can hear from him, but maybe you can give us the context, um, and you know, take us in the wayback machine to uh, 1978 when the real bell bottoms, you know, <laughs> not these contemporary ones, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll uh, I'll even take you back further than that because oftentimes, uh, as we tell the the story of LF, the narrative, um, although the first leadership foundation was formed in 1978, which was the Pittsburgh Leadership Foundation, the event. Um, as we oftentimes describe it with mm-hmm. a capital E, yeah. was in 1962. And it was in 1962 that Reed Carpenter had come to Pittsburgh to become the you know, young life guy. And uh, he had the very good fortune of meeting the Reverend Dr. Samuel Shoemaker. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, the, and the young life guy would, would have been a guy assigned to a particular high school community to exactly. try to influence young people, right? Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, uh, <clears throat> so Reed got there and, and uh, met this, uh, this, really this at this time already uh, a pretty mythic man. Uh, in many ways, Sam had written 31 books. He'd been on the front of Time magazine um, and had gotten assigned to Calvary uh, Episcopalian Church in Pittsburgh. And it mm-hmm. was the Boulevard Church. It was the place where the, you know, the Carnegies and the Mellons and all of those would show yeah. up. But uh, he had just this unbelievable vision for uh, for Pittsburgh, and so he would, you know, take it as a part of his responsibility to get to anybody that would show up to Pittsburgh, whether it was the young life person or the nun that was running the you know local youth hostel or whatever it might be, and he would say, "Welcome, you know, to Pittsburgh. Thank you for saying yes to God for serving the city of Pittsburgh." Mm-hmm. You know, you and I have talked about this, but of course, nobody was actually showing up to serve the city of Pittsburgh. Um, yeah. That was already <clears throat> Sam beginning to tell the story. And then, of course, he would take them up to Mount Washington and he would show them the city and all of its, you know, really, you know, kind of splendor at that time in terms of being the steel capital of the world. Yeah. And then he would say, would you pray with me that the city would be this city would become as uh, known for God as it currently was for steel? And just the the grasp of that metaphor, um, you know, time and time again, he would share that with people. But in the person of Reed Carpenter, uh, and as Reed tells the story, I mean, it 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 grabbed a hold of him, yeah, and uh, yeah. it, it almost became kind of this thing that he couldn't escape. And so Reed carried that in his heart for you know another 16 years and then of course decided that uh, someone needed to operationalize that vision so that's the i get you yeah well and uh, you know in the the vocabulary of uh the book you wrote uh the city as a playground 
mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to a battleground. It, you know, it was like Sam was already um, seeing the city that way. Completely. You know? Yeah. yeah and, completely. and it's just, uh, it's, uh, that's what I'm talking about, not having to fabricate a founding story, you know. So, well, let's go back and, uh, and uh, let's listen to uh, Reed as he, you know, reflects on, on the events of Wonderful. that story. Yeah. Okay. Uh, a couple of things that might be important for the audience to mm-hmm. to grasp, even though I knew nothing about it at the time, but that in 1955, Time Magazine quoted Sam Shoemaker as saying that Pittsburgh had more power sitting in the pew of the Church of Pittsburgh on a Sunday morning that if mined and executed would create more power than all the coal in the hills and the steel in the mills, and that Pittsburgh should become a spiritual power plant for the rest of the world. Mm. So that that is a, a reality that preceded what I'm about to tell you. The mm-hmm. second thing was, in 1960, right about the time we met, Sam wrote a book called The Holy Spirit and Fire, and uh, which which clarified a lot of what was going on in Sam at the time prophetically. And uh, that book still is the, I think, bears the earmarks of our Leadership Foundation journey. Uh, So at one point, uh, Sam invited Donna and I to go with him to Mount Washington. And um, and it was just the three of us. And... uh, uh, and so, obviously, we stood out on a concrete pad that overlooks the three rivers, mm-hmm. and the beauty, it was happened to be a beautiful day. And, and uh, after some small talk, Sam uh, looked up and he said, you know, man, I have a vision that one day Pittsburgh is going to become as famous for God as it is for steel. And, of course, the steel mills were belching and, mm-hmm. you know, Smoke was in the air, the fire, you could see the fire up and down the river. Hmm. And he said, now, I want you to behold your city. And uh, uh, all I can say is that that it really wasn't Sam speaking. Hmm. It It was so incredibly evident that God was announcing his intentions for Pittsburgh and using Sam as his instrument, Hmm. uh, almost like a Moses. Mm -hmm. And, uh, 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 and Don and I fell to our knees and, um, uh, it it was so powerful. Hmm. And, um, uh, so, so from the standpoint of my reflection on that time, it's taken me years and years to say what I just said. Mm-hmm. I heard Sam's words, but now that I've had 50 years of, of, of this Holy Spirit fire, I can now say with confidence that it was almost like that revelation pastor, you know? Yeah. And uh, I saw New Jerusalem, you know, come from heaven. It was like he was begging us to call heaven down to earth. And mm. we don't create the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God exists now in heaven. Mm-hmm. And our job is to bring it 
bring it. Get it down. Yep. Bring it down. Which then required us to to get off our knees and begin to uh, uh, find out how we could commit ourselves to this this vision. Wow. Never get, <laughs> never, never get tired of hearing that, huh? It is so true. I, I, I probably am now, uh, maybe I've been the person who's heard it more than anybody else, just mm-hmm. partly because of my position and all, and I could just absolutely say to you, Rick, a hearty amen. I just, every time I hear it, I can feel, you know, even in some ways almost the hair begin to stand up on my arms yeah. a little bit. It's just yeah. like, mm. Yeah, I love that, you know, bring it. And what I thought, I love also how, you know, uh, during this, you know, profound, not only uh, spiritual, but organizationally pivotal moment, um, you know, the, the tendency would be, uh, and then, boy, did we really get on our knees after that, right? Mm-hmm. But I love what he says is, it, after this, we got off our knees, <laughs> you know, and we, and we, we you know, we, we got on our horse, you yeah. know what I mean? And yeah. I think it's a beautiful, uh, you know, uh, expression of what, you know, the, the, they were already prayerful. You know, and I, I also remember, you know, when I had first time I had a chance to uh, to meet Reed, and he told the additional part about how when he first met Sam, you know, and here he is, this kind of new youth ministry guy in town, and how he, I still remember him telling, he put his hands on his face and told him he'd been praying for him, you yeah, know, and he was yeah. glad that he that he was uh, able to meet him and that he's arrived, and like you said, he thanked him for you know uh, yeah. being you know willing to be in Pittsburgh, but I think sometimes, um, obviously, you know, the role of Sam is quite a it's quite a role in the in the you know the the founding narrative. It really is. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, we still haven't. I mean, I've obviously written a book about it. Uh, I did some doctoral work on it, and Sam, you know, every page uh, he's there, mm-hmm. and I still feel like I'm probably about an inch, you know, into the story, or a couple, maybe to hold the metaphor, a couple sentences into the story about his impact uh, on LF. Um, there just simply would not be um, leadership foundations today, you know, as we know it, as mm-hmm. we understand it, uh, apart from Sam Shoemaker. And while there's been other contributors, to be sure, I mean, the John Perkins of the world and the Jim Rayburns and all, mm-hmm. um, with, without Sam and his unique, I think, set of gifts, uh, his demeanor, sure. um, I mean, just a number of things that we would probably attach to him. Um, you know, we wouldn't be having this conversation today. So yeah, I'm forever yeah. grateful. Well, and you know, I mean, over time, when when you uh, arrive uh, at a point in sort of, I guess, the ministry career, you know, there are some guys who would think this is kind of above me. You know, uh, you know, maybe you can talk to the the assistant uh, administrator, and you know, and That's they right. can help you. But you know, for for him to find uh, not only the time, but the you know, the attention to just focus on this kid, right? Exactly. You know, in 1962, and then not you know. Uh, having a, you know, a, a total awareness of what was going to unfold. But not only did, uh, did that spark a, a vision for Pittsburgh, but um, I'm sure, you know, he would have no idea that, that out of Pittsburgh then, you know, uh, the world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, the, the other thing that I just thought was just, again, so interesting about Reed, and I've been with him a big part of this journey, but when we used to hear the story that he would tell uh, about Sam, it was very much, uh, you know, Sam being the great uh, church leader that he was, uh, you know, our orator that he is, the person who wrote 31 books. 
um, you know, kind of period end of story and how glad I was to have met, you know, Sam. As Reed's gotten older, you hear that next step, which is, hmm, maybe there was something more going on than just Sam Shoemaker. Mm -hmm. Uh, maybe, in fact, it was God, God's self uh, who used Sam as a channel. And I, I like a lot the way that Reed has uh, slowly worked his way to that point. I think yeah. so many people way too prematurely will claim, well, I, I heard this from God, and, you know, six months later, it's like, yeah. you know, the thing's dead. Uh, but for Reed, you know, there was a kind of, he's been pondering in this in his heart for many years. Mm -hmm. And so when he says it now, it, it carries with it, I think, Rick, a kind of weight that uh, that I know is is quite important in the whole Aleph story. So yeah, yeah. Well, and that's and even in what he said there, he said, "The more I've meditated on this, exactly. the more I I yeah. see more clearly what was really happening there." You know, now this, of course, in in the. Uh, uh, well, now, I mean, when we talk about this, it sounds like, uh, yeah, uh, you know, duh, because now the way LF operates with the, you know, the wheel of change and, and all, mm -hmm. you know, these kind of sort of uh, very sophisticated ways to express what was kind of cryptic in this day. But mm -hmm. it was a big idea to see the city, um, you know, as a as a, an entire, you know, living organism versus, you know, most people would say, well, I'm in charge of this particular parish or, you know, like even in, in yeah. uh, you know, in Reed's view, you know, that he was assigned, hey, uh, get to know kids in this one high school. Right. Yeah. And, and how uh, how revolutionary has that been over time? And instead of seeing the city as uh, just a, you know, uh, a single endeavor, but as a comprehensive yeah. collection of endeavors, you know? Yeah. I mean, the truth is, is, you know, we're still learning that. But I think the the essential insight um, early on by uh, Sam and Reed was that uh, the city isn't just a receptacle uh, that holds people together because they all work at, you know, uh, such and such, you know, car plant or, you know, they happen to be born on this side of town. It's that, no, the city uh, is actually a living, breathing organism. Mm -hmm. um, and to be able to say that i mean we use that language a lot now um but even to this day rick when i am speaking in front of a group and i talk about cities as living breathing organisms and that pretoria south africa is different than philadelphia pennsylvania mm -hmm. um, and i think i have good sociological proof to demonstrate that i think i can reach to the scripture and talk about that there's still a moment of people going what did he what did you just say mm -hmm. so if you can imagine I mean, Sam and Reed saying that kind of thing, you know, back in 1962. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was almost, you know, incomprehensible. But without that central insight, um, then again, I mean, leadership foundations would not have evolved, uh, you know, to where they are today. And then the other aspect of that is that these cities, partly because they are these living, breathing organisms, um, it's made up of systems, mm -hmm. and, and there's all kinds of systems that, in a very direct way, will impact you know somebody and uh, you know his or her soul, uh, mm -hmm. let alone you know what their vocation might be or you know who they end up marrying and the whole bit. And so again, to be able to kind of declare that uh, in the midst of what at times can be a little bit of a well, if I just say yes to Jesus, then that should take care of it. It was like, mm -hmm. well, we want you to say yes to Jesus. That's an important piece in this, but 
boy, if we don't get, you know, serious about, you know, the school that you go to that is not providing, you know, good education right. or the, the lack of nutrition you have in your daily diet, uh, that, that Jesus thing, um, you know, will, uh, well, we don't know you know, if it will yeah. come to the kind of fruition that we want it to. Yeah. So. And well, even when we think about some of the things Jesus said, and uh, we, t- we even take that, that, uh, uh, some of his statements and we try to compartmentalize them. Like when he says, you know, I, my wish is that everyone would be one. Mm-hmm. And we think, well, you mean like just in our particular church or, you know, in our, right. you know, in right. our, you know, just, you, you just mean, right. you know, right. the Irish Catholic part of the, of the city, right. we should all unite, you know, right. and, and to actually think about it, like, he, wow, he might've been talking about like, love your neighbor, like actually, you yeah. know, and not metaphorically. So I think, um, that's one of the, one of the great uh, takeaways. Yep. The other, you know, the other aspect too, and you know, we'll talk probably more a little bit about this, but you know, in the midst of a time, um, you know, late fifties, early sixties of what I would describe as almost hyper denominationalism. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is when the big boulevard churches were being built. Uh, and so whether it was first Baptist or first, you know, Lutheran or first Presbyterian, I mean, every church was, or every city was made up of those to have somebody in that kind of pulpit. Uh, and I think you even mentioned this earlier, Rick, that had all the trappings of that. Right, um, right to look at someone like a young life person that at that time, you know, was probably considered to be at least minimally an attack against the church, right? The church hadn't done its job. And so we're going to, you know, create this parachurch, even the language itself. So for for Sam to sit in all that and say, you know what, I see the spirit of God uh, in that, even though it's probably a critique on my own denomination or... Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, the fact that he, for example, uh, developed the 12 steps with a Jesuit priest by the name of Father Dowling for the Alcoholics Anonymous. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's, it's breathtaking to see the expanse of Sam's vision. Yeah. And, and uh, part of that, in fact, uh, Reed is going to make a a further comment in in our uh, earlier discussion about this idea of the, the you know, the church in terms of uh, the people as a, a force as mm-hmm. opposed to being a field or, you know, like a group or in, so instead of, uh, um, seeing, uh, you know, uh, people as receptacles or receivers there, they were actually the, in, in the giving mode. And, uh, and so uh, remind us a little bit about that, how he, you know, he talked about the mobilization, you know, yeah. of the body of Christ. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, I think the statement that Reed made almost speaks for itself. And I think it, you know, we set it against what, again, I would dis- I would say about someone like Sam was uh, a kind of recovery of what Luther, you know, came up with at mm-hmm. the Reformation, and that's the, the priesthood of all believers. Uh, that there, you know, is, when we begin to think this way, something about the president of Alcoa for them, for Pittsburgh at that time. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, that's what he's going to be doing Monday, or she's going to be doing Monday through Saturday. And so how do you how do you recover that and say mm-hmm. that's your mission field, right? That's where God has you doing the work of seeing this kingdom come mm-hmm. uh, from heaven unto earth. And so you begin to think about a city in that way. It's that yeah. teacher. It's that, you know, cop down the road. It's the accountant that, you know, gets up every morning and goes to bed every night trying to help, you know, businesses uh, stay, you know, stay ahead of, yeah. you know, I mean, yeah. that, that that Sam got that, and uh, and he and then Reed consequently 
I think got it as well. So that when the first Leadership Foundation was birthed in Pittsburgh, you know, it was really about, um, you know, the lay people. It was, Mm -hmm. you know, all of these people out there already there. We just got to help them, equip them. Yeah. And let's listen in on on that conversation you had with Reed as he uh, as he responds to that. But the fact of the matter is, you as you behold your city standing on that mountaintop and looking at the University of Pittsburgh, looking at the sports stadiums, looking at the three rivers, barges, and looking at the smoke, and all of a sudden begin to perceive that the body of Christ is in all these places. Mm. The body of Christ exists in Alcoa, Westinghouse, you know, on the tugboats, the body of Christ is placed everywhere. Mm-hmm. That it isn't a matter of institutionalism. It's a matter of personalism. Mm. It's a matter of of people having found their place in the kingdom of God in the place that they have been called. And that is what we needed to get get a vision that would lure people in the in the areas that they already were serving mm-hmm. to be influences for a common good. Yeah. And that's what drove many of our strategies. I have actually seen uh redo this Rick where he'll get to a group and he's speaking and he'll say something like he'll go, Hey, before I get started here, uh how many of you all are in full time ministry? So there's, you know, a group yeah. of a hundred, so four hands go up in the air. And, uh, you know, of course, he begins to unpack the idea, that's the problem. You know, yeah. the only four that raised their hands were the clergy or maybe the young life leader. And the rest of you all don't actually view your, you know, your work, at the, you know, yeah. whether it's at the company or in the school as full-time mm-hmm. ministry. And so it's, I think what Reed and Sam did is that they, they corrected that yeah. and began to help people understand that's ministry. Yeah. That's that's what you've been called to and do. And like and and as well, uh, they uh, pair that with the idea that um, you don't just live in uh, you know a segment of a city either. I mean, this is your the city. I mean, the city, like you said, the the impact of uh, you know of all of the systems yeah. come to bear when we're um, working with a city. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, going back to your earlier question, Rick, about just what was it that you know. And Sam and and uh, Reed and I think they would be the first to say this kind of stumbled onto <clears throat> that became almost a, a a sea change with regard to how we think and feel and believe about what God mm-hmm. is up to. Um, they were the you know first I'll, that's too strong a word but they were they were one of the um, initial pioneers that begin to articulate this idea of first just having a regard for the city. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they lived at a time when the city was something you, you know, passed through. Uh, you maybe came in for an evening to go to the opera or the, you know, yeah. uh, see a play, uh, but then you left. Um, you know, you might work in the city, but again, you then left. Um, so it was, the city was always something that would kind of like was a, a footnote to your life. And it was through Reed and, and Sam that they began to say, no, the, the city itself demands a regard. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's something about her, uh, mm-hmm. the way she has been put together, shaped, uh, the way that uh, she has built herself up over the years, that that if you don't do anything else, just, just pause um, and, and have this regard. 
which of course then led immediately to this sense, uh, and it should be a positive regard. Mm -hmm. And it was really that positive regard, I think, Rick, early on, that allowed me then, you know, all these years later, uh, as I began to sit with, well, what was the Holy Spirit up to in them? I mean, that's where the phrase, you know, Sidious Playground came from. Mm -hmm. it, was the, it was the positive regard that, uh, that Sam and Reed had for the city. And you know, the, the, uh, the way they articulate that, still to this day, uh, it, it's an expansive regard as well, because I think there are, uh, there's some history in the fact that it's got to be people of good faith, you know, and then mm -hmm. all of a sudden, you know, we started realizing, uh, what about the people of goodwill and how about getting together? Yeah. And I think that was so helpful historically. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's uh, in fact, you know, I think to take maybe even the next chapter, and it wasn't even like this happened as sequentially as we're talking, but I think once that, the notion of a positive regard for the city took place, um, you know, one of the things then that happened was it was, again, both Sam and Reed that really began to talk about um, having a city-centric uh, kind of vision. Mm -hmm. So, it, you know, prior to them, uh, it would have been, you know, well, we want our church or our ministry, uh, you know, to, to do really well. And we think that one of the things that will come as a result of that is the city of Pittsburgh will get better. And Reed and, and Sam inverted that. They said, no, actually, um, you should be uh, rallying around a vision for the city of Pittsburgh, of which your particular part mm -hmm. plays into that. Yeah. Um, and so I, I've often said this, uh, Rick, to a lot of people who we partner with who, you know, I would say that they have a church-centric vision. Um, and the notion is, is if, if the church does really well, right. you know, in this city, uh, then the city will, you know, uh, also uh, get better. Or at least benefit, right? Or at least yeah. benefit. And uh, I think LF says, I mean, that's that's good and great, and but our vision's a little bit different. We have the city-centric vision of which we think the church is one of those systems. Mm -hmm. um, and so we want the church to do well because we think it's an important system. But it's got to be, you know, nestled up next to the healthcare system mm -hmm. and commerce and, you know, the politics and education. And in, in that vision, it's really a vision of the city of which we're trying to see all these different systems and how they contribute to that. And again, that's a direct result of, uh, of Sam and Reed. Well, and, and even the words you use, vision and, and, uh, and how we see, you know, uh, that, uh, when we were listening to that, um, that, that phone call from Reed, you know, he was saying that he started to, he took a look at the city and he started seeing, uh, you know, that mm -hmm. power plant. He started seeing those tugboat drivers. He started seeing that, mm -hmm. you know, this is the body of Christ, right? This, I mean, this is where it's at. And I think, yep. um, you know, I think a compelling and, and uh, sort of introductory part of your book was about seeing the city. You got to see it. Yep. You know? Yep. Yeah, I think it, it does. It's, it, it all depends on that that site, that, mm -hmm. uh, you know, what we might call regard. Um, yeah. And, you know, we oftentimes, uh, Larry Lloyd, who we've had a chance to interview on this, uh, you know, podcast, and he is head of the Network Impact and Member Services uh, for Leadership Foundations and kind of, you know, is a person on the point for anybody that, calls us up and says, hey, I've got, you know, I want to be a leadership foundation. And so Larry um, always asks as one of his first questions, he says, well, tell me about your city. 
And he would say that the answer to that question is probably going to say more about whether or not this person is going to be a leadership foundation than any other question. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, do you see your city? Yeah. Uh, and tell me when you see your city, what do you see in your city? Do you see all the parts? Do you just see one neighborhood? Uh, I mean, just that question alone of tell yeah. me what you see is, is everything. Yeah, and I remember talking to Larry about the how, you know, if you, you know, if you ask uh, somebody who's in love, tell me about you know, tell me about her, tell me about him mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, listen to them. I mean, they are, they have got all kinds of descriptive detail, you know, because, and I think that's the thing is that, uh, I was talking to somebody the other day, I'm teaching a little class called environmental ethics at the university of Washington. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and some, somebody asked me, what in the world is that class? And I said, well, what do you think? And they go, well, environment, uh, ethics, ethics. <laughs> uh, it's probably about whether, you know, you think the planet is, you know, good or bad or something. They, and I said, yeah. well, actually, you know, the whole class is all about the, this, this concept that um, knowing something about the environment is secondary to caring hmm. about the environment. That's what they've discovered. We have so many studies about water quality, so many studies about air quality, so many studies about climate change, so many studies. And we're always, you know, thinking, well, one more study and, and everybody's going to go, hey, mm-hmm. man, based on that study of... Uh, you know, the fact that there's a plastic wasteland four times the size of California in the Pacific Ocean. Now that is convincing, right? <laughs> but it doesn't matter how many mm-hmm. studies, unless deep down inside we say, you know, um, this bothers me or, you know, I care about this or, you know, that this, you know, mm-hmm. this moves me. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, I can see that in, you know, in Sam and Reed and in you and in, in leadership foundations that it's fundamental to knowing how the city works is, is, you know, caring, yep. you know, yep. about, and, and, you know, loving the city. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it, it really is. I mean, both that simple and, and that profound. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, again, Larry and I have talked about how when we go and visit a city and we're doing an accreditation or something like that, uh, one of, one of the delights is to see a city, you know, through mm-hmm. a, a local leadership foundation. We just returned from Lexington where we have a, a leadership foundation there, and we had our spring meetings. And to get out into the city of Lexington with Eric Geary uh, mm-hmm. and his team, and I mean, it's it's like you're in the car, and you know, every like block you're stopping, it's like, well, hey, you know, right here is where, you know, so-and-so did, the, I mean, yeah, and, yeah. And you're hearing this narrative, and at the end of it, you go, this person is absolutely head over heels in love with the city of Lexington. I mean, mm-hmm. how can she not get better yeah, as a result yeah. of that? And that's, again, that's what Sam and, and Reed did. Um, yeah. Just, oh, that's great. Yeah. In fact, I heard about a, a software company in San Francisco, and uh, uh, they fell in love with the city, especially the parts of the city that are most under-resourced. And so I watched a documentary on them, and uh, they gave the, uh, the CEO a sabbatical and said, you know, take a year off, everything's going great, whatever. And he, here's what he did with his sabbatical. He said, two days a week, I walked around mm. the city. Mm. He just walked around. Yep. And he just started meeting people, and everybody's like, you know, hey, what are you doing here? And he's like, every week for two days a week, he just walked around, especially in this particular neighborhood that's n- not shown on tourist maps, right? I mean, <laughs> and, and uh, it's a, kind of a remarkable story, but that's the same feeling I got when I watched this, is I thought, man, if, if you when you walk with this guy through the city, you have a whole different 
uh, story, yeah. you know, than, than mm-hmm. what people would mostly say, like, stay out of this part of the city and, yeah. you know, watch out. And, uh, and actually, it was very endearing. And, and I know that one of the great practices um, that I've participated in now and then is when there's an LF meeting in a city is to, to walk around, you know, with, you know, folks from yeah. the local leadership foundation. It's really true. Yeah. Yeah. yeah in fact, I, uh, I remember, you know, a number of years ago, we were in a Sunday school class and I was kind of helping facilitate it. And the, uh, the question got asked about, you know, uh, if there is this afterlife, um, you know, tell me what it looks like for you. And, uh, so there was probably, I don't know, 30 people in this class and, um, you know, everyone's essentially coming down to saying things like, well, I'd be in this wonderful field and the sun would be setting and I could hear the, you know, the uh, waves coming up on the beach. And so time and time again, you'd hear that. And all of a sudden there was this older guy in the back and he goes, he says, well, there's this alley. And he says, it's just right around the corner here. And it's kind of got a cobblestone sort of feel to it. And, uh, and there's a great restaurant right on the corner. Um, so my vision is I would have had a good meal at that restaurant. I would have gotten out in that alley. And then he says, I hope you all forgive me, but then I would pull out my favorite cigar. And if God is God, there would be a saxophone that would come on in the alley. <laughs> and the whole Sunday school class is just kind of quite like, what? And I'm up there facilitating the class going, that's it. Yeah. That's it. But I mean, and I told him afterwards, I said, you know, that was wonderful. And he said, well, you know, I, said, I just love this city. Yeah. So I just love it. And I said, that's it. That's yeah. it. Yeah. And the thing is that, uh, you know, in that particular scenario, it's like doable. And the others are all some, you know, like, you know, mystical kind of pretend thing. Yeah. And that's what's so great, I think, is that what LF does is, um, you know, it, it is the word engaging is a big word, you know, because it does. It's it's stuff that's doable. It's mm-hmm. stuff that we can all, you know, get involved in. But uh, what I uh, I think is going to be great is as we continue this uh series of podcasts we're going to talk about um more of the sort of uh founding uh you know uh mm-hmm. a leadership and also some some different ideas and we're going to kind of celebrate this 40 years uh, because as you said when we do this remembrance work we're actually bringing it into the present yeah. you know and you know dave it's not it's not that pittsburgh was operational and was the founding city for lf back in the day and you know i mean mm-hmm. the the that story is still being told, and, and is, there's some exciting things happening now. Yeah, remarkably, uh, Rick, in, in many ways, I mean, today, uh, the Pittsburgh Leadership Foundation uh, is still uh, vibrant and doing great things, led by uh, Lisa Slayton, who I actually happen to have the great privilege of being the senior associate for. Mm-hmm. But here, 40 years later, you know, as, as the founding uh, sort of Leadership Foundation you know, they continue to mobilize the lay people in Pittsburgh as they equip and connect and mobilize leaders to serve you know, every sphere of influence, um, you know, uh, in yeah. business, in uh, church life, and you name it. I mean, I did the accreditation of uh, Pittsburgh here last year, and they, uh, they've created the, the, what's called the Training Collabor- Leaders Collaborative. And uh, so every year they bring on a cohort um, of leaders, uh, cross-sectional and uh, we'll walk them through a leadership course uh, on how to take their particular you know 
place, whether it's business or mm-hmm. education, or and turn that into ministry. And so I, I, I oftentimes, I've told Lisa this, I said, Lisa, uh, Sam must be doing the holy dance uh, mm-hmm. to know that uh, that initial idea that he planted in Reed, uh, you have now put legs to uh, in, in ways that, and I think they've got over 300 alumni now uh, in the city of Pittsburgh that have all gone through this common curriculum about what does it mean to make your your work, your ministry. So it's just a yeah. great story. Yeah, and it's it does reflect what we heard Reed say that, uh, uh, you know, we get up off our knees after we prayed, <laughs> and, uh, you know, we get on our horse, we, just, we make something happen, and yeah. that's what's we'll going go on in Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah. and that's got to be, uh, you know, one of those legitimizing and gratifying, uh, you know, realities that, that even Reed can look back on now and say, hey, this, you know, this thing is, is, uh, is still vibrant. And, you know, yep. and leaders um, are leading. So that's right. Yeah. Yep. That's right. And yep. I think I feel like even talking about this and then hearing from Reed, it's kind of a faith builder. You know what I mean? It kind of, it kind of, mm-hmm. you know, is inspiring. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's what's great. And, uh, and so we're going to, you know, kind of march forward. Want to give us a little, little thumbnail about, uh, you know, in the future, what, what have we talked about? Mm, diverse people finding a theological home. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that there's going to be just a number of ramifications that come out of this kind of almost founding story, you mm-hmm. know, in some ways. Yeah. Um, and one of the things I think that we'll discover, uh, Rick, is that when you then think now about leadership foundations in over 40 cities around the world, um, all holding on to this common DNA, I mean, they get up in the morning, they go to bed at night trying mm-hmm. to see their city become a playground and that they do it now through the three functions. Um, what, what is also remarkable, and I think this was inserted into LF at its very, you know, kind of inception, is that we've become kind of a, a theological home um, for a wide, widely diverse um, uh, group of people around the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, from, you know, high church to low church, from, you know, liturgical to, you know, mm-hmm. anything but liturgical. Mm-hmm. And it's been it's been great to watch, and I think this will be one of the things that we'll talk about. Um, what have been some of the things that have contributed to that? Mm-hmm. Um, how does that continue to get nurtured? Um, you know, I oftentimes say that uh, one of the things about an urban global world uh, is that it is, is hugely, hugely pluralistic. Mm-hmm. One of the gifts, I think, of LF uh, is our pluralism, uh, yeah. is the fact that we, uh, for maybe such a time as this, are the right tool to be able to, to match the, uh, the pluralism of, of, the, of the world and the cities yeah. with our own organization kind of looking and feeling that way. So. Yeah, well, because, I mean, that literally is what cities are like. And so if it were any mm-hmm. different, uh, something would be mm-hmm. off, you know? So yeah, mm-hmm. I look forward to talking about that. And, and again, if you have any questions or, uh, you could, you know, uh, recommend, why don't you guys read this before you talk, you know, or, uh, you know, like, uh, we always love, uh, getting recommendations and, uh, your input. So that's info at leadershipfoundations.org. So until next time, take care. Thank you, Rick. Thank you.